Imagine getting to speak around the world, meeting the most successful, positive leaders, and then getting to choose from that group. That's what this leadership podcast is all about, learning from the best how to be your best so that we can challenge ourselves to lead with purpose, impacting lives and changing communities. I'm so glad you're part of this leadership podcast community where together we learn, lead, and leave a lasting legacy. Welcome to Garage to Goliath. I'm Dan Quiggle, and today we have a guest unlike any other we've had before. Our guest today is Cassandra Bodzak. Cassandra is a thought leader, best-selling author, sought-after on-camera personality, and speaker in the mindfulness and personal development world. She's also the host of the podcast Divine Downloads. You can find her on programs such as The Taste with Anthony Bourdain as the happy, healthy living guru, or in her work with Shape, The Huffington Post, Teen Vogue, Thrive, Fabletics, Lululemon, Soul Cycle, and so much more. Cassandra helps people all over the world learn the process for bringing their vision into reality through intentional living. Cassandra, you are unlike any guest we've had on this podcast, and I'm really excited to talk to you about how current and future leaders can live holistically and lead boldly. And so would you say you were always a relatively spiritual person, or is that something you uh, kind of delved into later in life? I dived into that around 25. So I wouldn't necessarily say like later in life, but I didn't necessarily, I didn't grow up that way necessarily. Okay. And so what propelled you to start coaching others in these areas of, of their life? Well, I think what I saw is I've always been an ambitious person and I've always been someone that had big dreams and goals. And when I had my spiritual awakening, when I had that moment where I really started diving deep into my meditation practice, when I really started um, reading more spiritual texts and um, living in that way where I was connecting to my intuition, where I was following what what felt good, I was following my creative intuition, um, I noticed how much shifted in my business. So like this, the spark notes of this story, which is why it's so important for me to coach it is that when I was 25, my little brother got diagnosed with this terminal autoimmune condition called primary sclerosing chloringitis. And it's essentially, you know, I was 25, he's three years younger than me. He's 22. And he was like straight edge, super good kid. Like I was like, how could this happen to him? Right. And it really like just threw me for a loop. And I got into this really dark headspace of just, I don't know how I'm supposed to watch my brother go through this awful ordeal. And thank God right now, thanks to many medical interventions, he's stable and he's with us. But there was a few years there, we didn't really know which way it was going to go. And that's when I found my spirituality. And that's when I really leaned on, I needed to find a higher power. I needed to connect to the divine within me. I needed to find some peace. And so my meditation practice for me was just that place of finding peace so that I could be a better, a better advocate for him so that I could be, you know, someone that was in her right mind when we were dealing with all of these, you know, things coming at us and not be in, you know, my emotions, which even just right there, you could see how important that would be for anyone, right? As a business leader, anything to be able to cultivate that, that steadiness of mind um, during a time when a lot of chaos is happening around you. But then the magical, like amazing thing that happened that really made me want to teach this and write books on it and speak on it is that while I was going through that period and I was, I was doing all different meditations, I was exploring all different forms of meditation and I was genuinely living life in such a way where I was just honoring that, you know, whatever inspired action I had that day, something that I thought might just bring me like a little bit of joy or, you know, a little bit of distraction sometimes um, in a creative way from what was going on. And so I started doing that. And what that, what that manifested in my life was I started, a, I had a blog and I was just like creative project. And so I was just posting these blog articles kind of about little wellness things that I was doing 
that was helping me. And it was everything from healthy recipes to little like mindfulness hacks to just, you know, you're having a crummy day. This happens. Here's how I got out of it. And it was literally like for no one. It was for my own sanity. It was pure, purely out of therapy. And I just enjoyed doing it. And then I started doing YouTube videos. And I would do these YouTube videos where again, I would do the same thing. I'd give these like little hacks or I would make vegan gluten-free cupcakes or something. Right. And I was literally doing this every day, um, just to have, you know, in addition to like working and all the other stuff, just because it was like a little light at the end of the tunnel for me, a little thing that like made me light up and, and spark my joy. And then the magical thing that happened is all of a sudden, people started emailing me from the blog and they were like, Hey, like, we love what you're talking about. Do you do one-on-one coaching? Do you do group coaching? You know, people were like reaching out to me asking for this stuff. I had no idea. I wasn't like aiming to do that. It wasn't, you know, doing anything strategic. And so of course I did my research and I was like, okay, let me look this up. I got certified as a holistic health coach. Um, I looked up different, um, I took, got like some business coaching sessions to figure out how do I start the framework for this? And I'm like, let's do this. Why not? Like, let's see how this goes. Right. Uh, that's just the kind of person I am. And so I just dove into it and I started doing it. And then my clients were experiencing these like they were having amazing results because that was my first thing. I was like, am I really going to even is it be helpful? Right. Like I had no idea. And the results were going well. All my clients were super happy. And then I get a call one day from ABC and there's producers at ABC. And they're like, we've watched some of your YouTube videos. We really want you to come be on this show with Anthony Bourdain and Nigel Lawson and Marcus Samuelson, Ludo Lefebvre. And I'm like, you, you haven't watched my YouTube videos because my YouTube videos are really bad. Like the like production quality was horrendous. I was literally just doing it like on my laptop in my small East Village apartment in New York at the time. And Anyway, one thing led to another. I'm flying out to Universal. I'm living out in a, a hotel room in Universal Studios and filming the show. And and then, you know, a book, I get a book deal, I go on a speaking tour, all this is happening. And and I was at the time I was talking so much about body wisdom and mindfulness and healthy eating and all that. But I just kept on having these moments, those moments where like your whole body is like tingling and alive, and you're just like so grateful for life and so kind of in awe of life. And, and to me, I was like, I need to teach other people what I did. What I ended up kind of tripping and falling into because of everything that was going into my brother, going on with my brother, I was like, I need to teach people how to do this so that they too can live a life that feels this amazing so that they can really use their creative gifts so that they can find that special thing that they have to share with the world. And so that's what really led me to the career I have now and the books that I've had and the coaching and everything that I do is that I just know how powerful these tools are and I know how happy life can be and how life can flow and we can feel fulfilled. And I just want as many people as possible to have access to that. So I love that. And so, you know, sorry to hear about your brother. I'm so glad he's doing better now. That's amazing. You know what I loved about what you said is in the beginning, what, what sparked all of this is you said you were doing it for you. And, and so, you know, I asked my listeners to think about that. Like what, what do you need to do for you to make yourself better, to make yourself right, to give yourself a break to allow yourself, is it through meditation? Is it through all these other things to, you know, you know, to give yourself that freedom to be you and to feel those emotions. I mean, so often I feel like we have to live our life as somebody else and trying to put on facades and everything. And I, I just don't think that's necessary. No. And it's actually the biggest giant cheat code. So often we live in this world and, and the thinking of the world and the thinking of society and even so much sometimes the thinking of like marketing and like business strategy is always like think about everyone else. What does everybody else want? What is everyone else like? What's going to be the most like advertisable product or whatever, right? What's going to be the best job market to dive into, right? What's, you know, we try to be so strategic based on everything outside of us, instead of realizing that we already have the GPS system locked and loaded within us, right? And so if we just follow our natural GPS, which is 
you know, to some of us, sometimes it feels like being selfish, you know, even, even in my business now, some people feel like I do business in a little bit of a radical way because I will think to me, it's more about what excites me than what's quote unquote, the smart move, right? Because I know if it excites me, it will end up being the smart move. And it's so easy, especially once you know a lot, actually, like the gift that I had back then was that I didn't know much. And then the more that you know, and the more that you have that like savviness or whatnot, and you're like, oh, I should do this, or this is the smart play, or, you know, you have to keep coming back to yourself because you, you have to re- remember that the thing that lights you up the most, the thing that brings you the most joy, the thing that feels like just you fully expressed is going to be the thing that you're most successful at is going to be the thing that's most supported by the universe. So you, you talk a lot about bringing people to their soul desires, which yeah. I appreciate that term. And, in, and how do you get that into their everyday life? When you work with clients, how do you help them to pinpoint their specific desires? Yeah. So I think just like what we were talking about, it's, it's a process of kind of loosening our grip on the desires from the external and just coming back into ourself. And so, uh, things like meditation, daily journaling and reflection, spending some quiet time with yourself to really get clear, you know, asking yourself questions. Like if I was living in a vacuum, right. If it was like just me, what would I want to do, right? If no one on Instagram or Facebook would ever find out, if nobody in your family would ever find out, if no one would know. It's like that question. I don't know if you ever heard this question, but if you go on a trip, would you still, like asking yourself, would you still choose to go on this trip if you can never tell anyone about it and you can never post any pictures? That tells you if you genuinely just want to go to this place, (laughs) right? And it's kind of like that, but doing that with life. Like saying, what is the life that I would lead if nobody would ever have picture evidence of it and nobody would ever know about it, which seems like a nutty thing, but it's, it's a good thing to get your head in that frame of what do I want to do just for me? What am I going to do? That's not, not about making my parents happy or my partner happy or my friends, you know, impressed with me or, you know, anything. And so it's, it's a series of how I help them distill that is asking questions like that, kind of getting their brain thinking in different ways, giving them that alone time to reflect on it. And then what we do is a process of distilling those desires. So often we have like, oh, I'll call it a worldly desire, which let's say that would come in the form of having a podcast, right? So you're like, I want to have a podcast that feels like a desire that I want. And so I would... I would distill that down and ask, okay, well, why do you want to have that podcast, right? Where if you're like, I want to be a CEO or I want to, you know, be the founder of a a tech company or I want to write a book, whatever the thing is. And it's like, okay, great. And you're absolutely allowed to have that desire and that goal. But now let's distill it deeper to your soul's desire because your soul is not thinking in terms of like podcast, book, whatever, right? Your, Your soul has a deeper desire than that. And so- For instance, one of the things could be, I have a message to share, right? I have a specific message. I really want to be, I really want to share this message of wellness or whatnot, or this message of positivity or hope, or I want to give people strategic advice on this, right? And so that's actually the sole desire. And then one of the ways it can manifest would be a podcast. Another, but then you open yourself up when you distill to that sole desire, Because now it could be a podcast, it could be a book, it could be a speaking tour, it could be workshops, it could be, you don't even know, it could be so many different things that would help you achieve that soul desire, right? You open up the possibilities. Same thing with like starting a company. It's like, okay, great. You want to start a company or you want to be a CEO. Why? Right? Probably to create some level of impact. Great. What kind of impact do you want to create? You know, and or legacy. Right. What do you want to create? And then again, it's not saying that you can't have it manifest in the specific way that's coming through to you. But when you get down to that soul desires, then you open up to it being actually so much bigger than that, like one lane that you're thinking of. Yeah. So absolutely love that. And, you know, that's why I know I'm doing the right thing, even with my podcast, because my soul desires to get people like you out to my listeners so that they can hear and, and just 
have an, a, another way to look at life and maybe drill down on what they care about and, you know, find their passions. And, and that's really exciting to me to make sure that they're getting that opportunity. And so I thank you for that. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting on your website, I saw that you mentioned that you are the co-creator of your life. And yeah. you know, I, I, I love that term. Um, I love that on face value, but can you elaborate on that? Like, what does it mean to be, to, to actually co-create your life? Yeah. So I say I'm the co-creator of, of my life. And I, I say that, that I co-create with the divine, right? That's my, you know, whatever your belief structure is, fill in the higher power of your, just, you know, your favorite one. Um, but I co-create with the divine or God. And so for me, it's one, that's a reminder of I'm choosing my life. I'm designing my life. I'm not a victim of my life. Things are not happening to me. Things are happening for me. And so as a creator of my life, it's reminding myself that I am in the driver's seat. So I do get to be the, the decider of the energy and the attitude that I bring to every single thing I do. I do get to be the decider of how I spend my days. I do get to be the decider of the different things that go on in my life. And it's, it's really shifting from that, that victim mode or, or even like a more passive mode of living into um, a mode of living that is empowered and in its creatorship. And by being that co-creator of your life, you're, you're taking ownership for your part in everything that happens in your life, which I think just completely changes your life and allows you to get off of that default setting or that autopilot setting of just kind of like going through the flow. It's like, no, if something's not making, if something's not working or something's not making you happy or you're not feeling called to something anymore, great. You're the creator of your life. So let's change it. Let's shift it. So this is one of the conversations I have with my kids all the time. So I say, you know, what is the one constant we can count on life change, right? And yeah. so, you, so you can either be a student of it or a victim of it. And if you're going to be a victim, what a long, miserable life it's about to be, because there's a lot of change going on, a lot of things happening. But if you're going to be a student, what an exciting life it's about to be, because again, it's happening every day. And, and I love what you said about not being, let's, let's talk about this victim thing for a second, because I see this a lot in society today. And it's, it's one of my biggest pet peeve struggles to watch it happen around me because I truly believe, and, and I'm an optimist, but I'm not a blind optimist. If this building's burning, I'm getting out. Okay. But I also, <laughs> yeah. but I also believe that you do decide like how you're going to show up each day. Like you decide how you're going to let adversity affect you. Like, is it going to define and defeat you or empower and strengthen you? Like you decide. And so I, I appreciate that you bring up uh, that victim mentality and you, and you, you kind of hit it head on. Really Absolutely. Do. Because I think, Here's the thing. I think, you know, we all have things in our life that have happened that if we chose, we could, we could kind of use them as like a free pass to like throw our hands back. Right. We could say, oh, this happened to me when I was young or, you know, this thing happened and it was unfair or whatnot. Right. But that's not it's not productive right? It's not fundamentally productive when we're in that state. And I love what you said, the way I, I think about it, which is very similar to what you were saying to your kids, is it's either a lesson, a lesson or a, a blessing. And now some of my clients call everything blessings, um, blessings. <laughs> because right. they're both blessings and lessons usually. Right. And I think it does when you when you decide it's, uh, you know, like Viktor Frankl's man's search for meaning, right? We give uh, the meaning that we give to everything that happens to us in our life completely shifts the way we approach it. And so, you know, I, I live in such a way in that co-creator space where I'm constantly calling in, you know, my angels, guides, divine support, higher power to hold space for me and the highest good and the highest evolution of you know, what I'm moving towards. And so then if something happens that would be considered a perceived negative event, right, then I know that it's also divinely held. So for instance, the way I look at it is that if there's a project, let's say there was like an exciting project I was pitching or whatnot, right? And they, it falls through and they're just like, no, we're not into it. We're not feeling it. Instead of taking that and being like, oh, nobody understands me, like, you know, I, whatever, going into that kind of victim mode about it, 
I choose to see that from a place of, oh, there, it wasn't meant to be that way, right? Like we, I wasn't meant to work with them right now because we're, I'm not working with them with now. So simply if they didn't see eye to eye on it, then, then that was just divine guidance. That was just divine guidance telling me move along because there's going to be a better person for that project, right? And so therefore you take things, you don't take things as personally and you really receive everything as a lesson. I even recently, I had a, some like crazy charges with my bank, right? And they, they put all these like these fees or whatever on my account. And it was something that, you know, you could have easily gotten to the like, this is not fair, like this, I can't believe this happened to me, whatever mode about it. But the magic of it was that I was, you know, me and my fiance were getting married. And so we're re- I'm researching all these banks because we want to open up a joint account and like all stuff, right? And so we're just in this stage where I'm actually doing all this research on banks and like banking and like what's the best place to put my money and stuff like that. And so it felt it was like the divine. I felt like it was so divinely guided that this thing happened with this bank. And to me, it was just like a big sign from like my higher power being like, this is not your bank, like get out of this bank. Right. And so I received that, like the, the situation that was kind of a frustrating situation in a really blessed way, because I'm like, oh, this is just guidance. Right. I'm just getting guidance. Right. If someone's, you know, if someone breaks up with you, if you lose a job or whatnot, it's all just it's guidance. Right. And it allows us to shift and redirect and get back on path and in higher alignment. So I guarantee you right now, so many of my listeners are going through, you know, things in their life. We'll just call them things, right? It could be good, bad, struggles, opportunities, whatever that is. And, and I just, I think that that, that blessings, that, that ability to look at something as an opportunity to kind of just go down a new path as opposed to, as, as choosing to dwell on, you know, all what could have been and all these things that aren't going to happen anyway. It's, it's interesting. My, my listeners know that um, my daughter plays for Team USA for beach volleyball and she plays on the pro tour. And I love, she says, you either win or you learn. And, and yeah. I love that because there is no losing if you're learning. And so then you just need to do things differently next time or have, come in with a different mindset or whatever that is. And so you're giving all kinds of good nuggets. I appreciate I all that. of this. I appreciate this. So, um, so you lead so many people through what you have named the process. Uh, what exactly is the process and what are you referring to? So the process is, is, is the process that I distilled from all the things that I've manifested in my life. I kind of reverse engineered it. I looked back and I said, okay, so I've managed to manifest all these incredible things in my life. What were the steps that I took? And what are, what are the steps that I was doing with my one-on-one clients? And how can I kind of put that in this like online course so that anyone can go and do these steps and have these results? And so there's, I think, 16 different modules. Each one has like a, a spiritual talk and then a meditation with it. And it guides you through the whole the whole steps of the journey to kind of become that divine designer of your life. So everything from having that reconnecting to source, God, higher power, you know, establishing that spiritual connection again, healing anything. Some people have a bit of um, trauma or blocks around that because of maybe something that happened in childhood that they didn't resonate with or something that they heard or whatnot. So it's kind of like redefining and healing that connection. So you kind of design your relationship with your higher power in a way that feels really good and nourishing to you. And then from that, we build upon that with getting the clear on the soul desires, distilling those desires. And then we go into releasing fears is a big part of, I think this manifestation divinely designing your life. The reason that I feel like we don't have things in our life that we deeply desire is usually because we have some sort of like block or fear or limiting belief around it. And so then we work through those and we go through, you know, everything from, you know, just little fears of like, what if I'll be too cool for my friends, you know, to bigger fears, like what if I'm fundamentally not good enough to rise to this level of success or whatnot. And we do different um, energy modalities to really shift those beliefs and release them on a core level so that they're no longer, you know, 
affecting how we function, how we go after our dreams, how we live our life. Um, and then there's quantum embodiment where we step into being the version of ourselves where we have the things that we think that we want that that we want to have, right? So our 2.0 version of ourselves, I say, you know, whatever you're imagining that next level of your life to be, embodying it now and living in your life right now from that energy and frequency of that place that you hope to get to. So it's like living as like the CEO right now, while maybe you're still, you know, a senior manager. But like, how do you treat yourself? How do you structure your day? How do you show up to work with that energy and the frequency of being the CEO or whatever it is, right? Um, and so on and so forth. And there, there's a bunch more modules and it goes through that whole process, which is why I called it the process of really how do you step into this creatorship for your life? And and you can use it for whatever it is that you want to manifest, whatever. Yeah, you can use it for anything, right? Yeah. 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 So, so it's, you, you brought up meditation and kind of daily journaling a bunch. And so just so I get an idea of this, cause I, you know, I, I don't think I've ever really officially meditated in my life. Oh my uh, how, God. However, wait, 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 wait. So, however <laughs> though, but, but let me tell you what I do do though. So every day, pretty much every day, I take a chair down onto the beach and I sit there and it's, it's, it could just be for a half hour or, you know, 15 minutes, half hour, whatever it is. And I just, you know, there's dolphins going by there. You see a whale spout. I mean, it's, it's very relaxing. It's very, and I, I love that. So is that meditation? I need to know from the expert. <laughs> it's not official meditation. Oh, no. damn, I thought um, for sure I'd be, I was an expert already. <laughs> All right. keep going. So but, what I do, do, but I do like it. It is a good practice. Um, so the the reason I would say it's it's a mindfulness practice, what you do, which I think is also very beneficial. Um, I think what would make it meditation would just be if you closed your eyes, honestly, um, because it, so if you next time you do it, if you close your eyes and you just breathe and listen to the waves crash and kids laughing and whatever is going on on the beach that day, then it becomes more of a meditation because what happens in meditation is meditation is a time where we we release ourselves from our physical body and the physical world, right? Which is why the closing of the eyes is 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 a part of it because we go internal and we connect back to that you know creation energy is the that that soul that you know part of us that is who we are, and so there's you know. I, I have this book manifesting through meditation that I wrote and has like a hundred different meditations. There's so many different ways to do it. And they're all, they all, they're all fine. And they can be as simple as sitting on the beach and closing your eyes and breathing. They don't have to be, you know, I have a bunch of guided meditations that um, a lot of people like to start with, but the main purpose of meditation is taking a moment to remember that you're more than your physical body and to remember the, the divine within you or the creation energy within you and connecting to that space um, for a short period of time. Because what happens is when you connect to that space, you remember who you really are. When you're still in your physical body in the physical world, there's inherent limitations, right, to your physical body and the physical world. When you're beyond your physical body in what I would call the quantum field, or whatever you want to call it. But when you're inside beyond your physical body, you are pure creation energy. You are in that space of the infinite, of endless possibilities, of being the essence of abundance itself, you know, being the essence of love itself. And so meditation is a time every day that you connect to that part of yourself that's limitless that has infinite possibilities, that can create whatever it wants, that is, that is love, you know, um, that is whole, that doesn't need anything, that already has everything. And that, I think, doing that every day is the foundation because if you start from that foundation, then, like, you could blow the ceiling off what you think is possible for your life because you're getting beyond your limited self. 
So it's clearly I need to buy this book yeah. and support it and pay full I'm price gonna, for it and support gonna, you hundred percent. So I appreciate that. But I also, you know, so, so let this, I appreciate that. And I will try closing my eyes next time. Cause I'm, I'm a firm believer trying to be the best version of myself. So if you think that's going to help me and I will listen to the waves and I will hear the kids laughing in the distance and maybe see how the wind blows across my face. And, you know, I mean, so I, I look forward to that. I love that. Uh, but you also talk about daily journaling just real quick. I mean, I just, just so my listeners kind of get an idea of what you're talking about there. Like, what do you mean when you say daily journaling? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. So for me, there's different things. So I just came out with a spiritual awakening journal. That's a guided journal. And I created this because a lot of, you know, my clients and people that I work with were like, okay, Cass, like, what do you journal on? You know? And, and so the spiritual awakening journal has all these daily reflections and like, they're all meant, I'll give you an example of some, but so this one's on self-compassion. So it's like, what's a quality about yourself that you often struggle with and how can you reframe your perspective to be more compassionate towards yourself in this area? Right. And then like another one is um, like, it can be more on, you know, what you're, I'm trying to think of what was a good one. Yeah. Like here's, you know, um, what did I just do today? self-discovery, write a story from your life that you feel represents the true essence of who you are. And why do you feel like this story really represents you? Right. And it's just kind of these things like in, in the journal, I put it's all these, these prompts that help you just kind of get closer to your authentic self, right. Get closer to what we were talking about, like just being you, right. And like owning who, who you are and what your desires are and what your preferences are and loving yourself. Um, and then if I'm just like freewheeling journaling, um, what I like to journal is either I'll just do kind of what I call like a brain dump, where I'll just allow myself to just write out everything that's going on in my mind to kind of release it onto paper. And then naturally, I find what happens um, is at some point after I'm done releasing anything that's like busy thoughts in my mind, I'll ask, you know, for me, I'll, I'll say like, dear God, angels, guides, grandma, and I will ask them for guidance and wisdom. And then I just write down whatever comes through to me. Um, so it's a little bit of channeling journaling, but I think journaling can be whatever you want it to be and just putting pen to paper with your thoughts and allowing yourself to even like work certain things out through writing it down is such a healing meditative process and just real quick how, how how long do you write like how 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 much do you write is it like it 15 minutes a day is it how it, long totally it just depends on the day I find that it usually like naturally concludes and you know the when I'm doing the prompts it's usually like it'll be like less than five minutes or so right it's just like I'm I'm going through on the prompts but I actually would say almost always it's maybe five to ten minutes it's not a very long thing um, but I never, I just kind of follow it until I feel complete. So part, part of your coaching program is aimed towards what you call deprogramming from the disempowered thinking of the world. What does disempowered thinking look like in someone's everyday life? Ooh. Um, so yeah, the disempowered, <laughs> well, it's true. So it's thinking, you know, the disempowered thinking of the world is the world has like these set of constructs about this is easy, this is hard, right? It's easy to, let's say, get a job at Starbucks. It's hard to be the CEO of Starbucks. <laughs> it's easy to, you know, eat fast food. It's hard to find a juice bar. Right. And we have these, you know, these kind of societal beliefs, right, that are actually not true, um, that we can either that we get programmed into. So we're working, let's say you're working a job that is like, I don't know, whatever, just like it's nine to five. Maybe you're doing marketing, you're making like a somewhat decent salary. It's not lighting you up. And you feel like this craving to start a podcast or you feel a craving to, you know, become a lifeguard or teach surf lessons or, you know, open up a, a beach bakery or whatever it is, right? And the disempowered thinking of the world says that's hard. That not a lot of people are successful at doing that. 
you can't make money doing that, right? And so I think we need to deprogram ourselves from that kind of thinking so that we can just fully honor what are what we're being called to do, what we're feeling and realize that, you know, I think one of the the one of the good awakening shifts that I think happened with COVID and the pandemic and all the the stuff that we've been through the past few years was that we realized that there was such an illusion of security. And the disempowered thinking of the world, a lot of it is based on security, right? And we think, oh, it's way more secure to work this like nine to five job than it is to like go off and like be an entrepreneur and do this thing, right? Or it's way more secure secure to live in this area than that area or whatever, right? We have all these like weird rules we make up in our head. And we saw how many people that had like quote unquote safe jobs that ended up losing their jobs, Right. So many people maybe that move to a certain place to work for a certain company and now the company's remote or whatnot, right? How like we were talking about before, how change is constant. And so, so many people look at my life and say, and I'm sure maybe you get this too. And they're like, oh, wow, like I can never do that because you're just like winging it. Like you're just on your own, right? Like there's no security there. I was like, my job was a thousand percent more secure than almost all of their jobs (laughs) during that, you know, during that era. And we start seeing that it's all that security in of itself. And a lot of this disempowered thinking of the world is an illusion. Right. Um, And so that's, I think, one of the things I try to get people to deprogram themselves from so that they can really honor what their soul is calling them to do, go for the dreams and the desires that they have and not limit themselves because of, you know, the thinking of the world says one thing or another. So I, I love that. And I love that you said illusion and kind of these preconceived notions and you're saying deprogramming. So I had a guest on my podcast, Chuck Bender. I love Chuck Bender. He, this guy's amazing. Every time I, every time I'm a similar deal, I'm taking tons of notes here as, as you can see while, while you're talking, but he said, um, we, we kind of had these illusions about even the people we're with. And so he said he was walking with his wife and he was holding her hand. They'd been married 28 years. He looked over, he said, I, I don't think, I, I wonder, do I even know who this person is? And I was like, explain that. And he, yeah. said, he said, well, do I know who she currently is? Or do I still judge her based on five years ago, 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago? Like, this is going to make her happy. Maybe it doesn't anymore. This is going to make her sad. Maybe it doesn't anymore. So he used the term, he goes, I want to be radically curious about the people I care about. And so I choose, like, as you were talking, I'm thinking, I, I still need to be more, you know, radically curious about the people that I care about and about what people that I meet and, and, yeah. and, and getting to know who they really are, not who society says they should be. Or, you know, we judge people based on a lot of different factors that we shouldn't be judging them on when really it's their heart and their soul, you know, that, that really define them. And so anyway, I, but, I, but I, what about, but even Tay, I lo- first of all, I love that. Second of all, what if you what if you turn that radical curiosity back to yourself, right? And stop judging yourself for the person that you've been in the past, yes, right? Totally, and totally. Stop, right? Stop saying like, oh, just because five years ago I tried that and it didn't work. What does that have anything to do with right now? Just because, you know, something, you know, I, I love that. Just honoring that like every day we're born anew and every, you know, just because you tried something yesterday and it didn't work doesn't mean that there's not a new way of approaching that today. You know, I'm going to use every day we're born anew. I mean, I just absolutely love that. <laughs> every day. We are. Every, but, and no, and it's so true. And so, you know, and, and by the way, we make lots of mistakes, you know, we, and so it, I would say it's not the mistakes you make. It's, it's just making sure you don't make them over and over and over again, you know, and, and you learn from them and try to be a better version of yourself because of them. And, and is anything ever really a mistake? Right. I would say that the the mistakes that like the, the quote unquote mistakes that we make are often when we're not in our right mind, right? It's when we're not in we're not in the thinking of love. We're not in the we're not in our highest self, right? We're in a fear based self, and oftentimes the quote unquote mistakes that we make come from a place of lack, come from a place of scarcity, come from that place of you know being in fear, right? And so a lot of times when we quote unquote misstep, um, it's usually just a way for us to get back into alignment, right? Because you do something from a place of fear, 
blows up in your face because it has to, right? And then you're alerted essentially. Oh, why did I do that? Right. It's like you said, it's like you just take that. Um, you're saying your daughter says you win or you learn. It's like the same thing, right? It's like it's not really a mistake because you learn from it, right? Because in that moment, you're like, oh wow, like that fight with my wife didn't go well because I I was attacking her from this level, right? And then you're laying in bed that night and you're reflecting on, huh, okay. I was really in a place of fear and I was really in a defensive place. And, you know, maybe next time if I have that conversation and I say it this way, or I come from a place of love, it's going to go better. So wait, wait, really you're like expecting that? me to be that smart. <laughs> <laughs> Are you putting a lot of pressure on me to make oh, sure I'm going to make I, those right decisions? I don't know. I think, I think, I think you're, I think you are. I think with some of the advice you've already given your children, I feel like your, your family is very lucky. <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're all winging it. You know what I mean? I, I always say, I think you try to do the things your parents did really well and try not to do the things your parents did, you know, really bad, badly. And so, you know, you, you're just trying yeah. to, trying to go down the path, but you know, I, I'm, I feel so fortunate in what I get to do because, you know, I speak quite a bit and I speak mainly to CEO groups and then their companies. And so I walk in a room rooms and they're, you know, they're mostly optimistic problem solvers. They're highly intelligent. And so, you know, I want to learn. So that's a very, it's addicting to be around people like that. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. But oh, yeah. if, if you could say anything to a room full of CEOs, what, what would you want to say? The reason that you were able to assume this position of power is because whether you were aware of it or not, you're following your intuition, you're following that thing that lit you up, you're following your, your joy. And now you're here, you're at what some would call the mountaintop and you are the leader. And the way that you can lead and be the most powerful leader is by prioritizing that same voice, that same voice that got you here, that voice of your intuition, that voice of what lights you up, what sparks your interest, what, you know, gets your creative juices going. And you lead from that place and you empower everyone below you to lead from that place as well. Then you'll have a truly stellar company. That's such great advice. I mean, really, it really is. I mean, and, and I think it matches also to this like imposter syndrome that I, I feel like when I, when I really can talk one-on-one -on -one with somebody and I, I do executive coaching and, you know, it, you peel back the layers and all of a sudden they're like, I don't know. I mean, just why me? Like why? Yeah. You know, I've, got, I've got like 500 or a thousand people that are wait, waiting for me to make the right decision every single day. And I can't be wrong. And there, there's pressure in that, you know, there, there really is. And so, but, but I, I, I love that you say, you know, listen, your intuition got you here. Um, those, that decision-making got you here. Your ability to communicate got you here. Like your ability to surround yourself with good people got you here. So keep doubling down on all those good things. And, and, and quit questioning and start leading and start, you know. Yeah, and knowing that like you're, you're not here by accident. You're here by design. You're not here by accident. It reminds me of, you know, um, Oprah, Oprah has said this, that every single guest she's had on her show, whether it was like Beyonce or the president or whoever she's had on her show, after the camera cuts, they always look to her and say, was that okay? And, and, but it's like part of the human condition sometimes, right? To have that, like, oh, I hope that was okay, right? And, um, and while that's, you know, that's sweet and, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's sweet, we also can trust that every room that we're into, we're in, we belong there, right? And, and so just remembering that if you're, if you've been given that position, it's not an accident. Nobody made a mistake. It's exactly where you should be. And to trust yourself, you know, the, to trust yourself in that position, to trust your divine guidance. And I think the biggest, the biggest mistake people make in that position is they get to that big of a level. They feel the pressure. They feel the stakes rise. And then they start listening to everybody else's voice outside of them instead of their own. And the truth is why they rose up to be that leader is because they were listening to something inside, some intuition, some instinct they had, right? And that is what has guided them along their path and, and, and to continue with that and to not let whatever advisors they have or the board or whatever, you know, kind of influence them to a level where they abandon their intuition. And I think it's important to, to 
make this clear. It, it's, this is not about CEOs. I mean, it's, it's maybe you're the CEO of the house. Maybe you're the head of a, of a college club or the head of a high school team or wherever it is in your life, you know, you're making the impact that maybe you're meant to be making at this moment. Yeah. And, and, and that could be on your kids, if you're a stay-at-home parent, it could be at the office, if you're working, it could be leading a team. You know, there's just so many different ways that we can impact others in our life. I use the term success to significance. Like when you finally realize the full impact that you have over the people around you, whether it's your own kids whether it's your, you know, whether it's your coworkers, whether it's your neighbors or friends or family, whatever it is, there's just so much opportunity to, to really make a positive impact in the society. Oh, absolutely. And I think that same advice applies to wherever you're at, right? It's like for all the mothers out there, like trusting your own intuition, don't, you know, it's fine if your mom's group says one thing or you read this on some blog that says this, but if it doesn't align with your intuition, like, trust your intuition, right? Own, you know, own that you're not the mother to those children by accident. And your intuition around them is going to be is is far superior to anything in the external world. And whatever, whatever it is you're doing, right, whatever that whatever you do in life, there's always going to be external voices and external surroundings that are going to try to get you to doubt yourself and doubt your intuition. And I think that's why cultivating, you know, that meditation practice and cultivating a relationship with yourself and your internal guidance is really the biggest like cheat code to life. Um, Because then you're, you stay true to that. And I think that's, that's, yeah, it's just everything regardless of where you are in life. So I, I know I've taken a lot of your time today. I do have one, one other question, if you don't mind. I could, I could probably of talk course. all day. No, you, it's been wonderful. So, so you, you clearly have made an impact on thousands of people. And, and so who's one, someone in your life that impacted you? My grandma made a big impact on me. She, uh, she recently passed away, but she was like a mother to me growing up. Two of the big, I'll say two things she taught me that I think I, I didn't have naturally that I kind of absorbed from her (laughs) is one she she showed me grace grace under pressure she had a lot of things in her life that you know situations that could have you know she had a husband that passed away pretty early on when she had two young kids that had like a brain tumor and all the you know crazy things that she had to deal with she ended up having to you know in the in, in a time in the 50s you know go back to work as a single mom after he passed away And then later on in life, when she went through, she had cancer and had this, a bunch of a tumor removed and this whole hospital stay. And I saw her through all these kind of different things that happen in life. And she just maintained such grace around everything and such presence and such peace that it really impacted me in knowing because I, when I was younger, I was naturally someone that would get pretty like emotionally bent out of shape about things. And, and I would look at her and just how she was able to navigate these situations with just such grace and such peace. And I remember asking her once, because she went in, she had this, uh, like a goiter on her neck. And she went to all these doctors and everyone was like, it's not cancer. It's just benign. We just, it's a growth. We have to take it out. And then when they went to take it out, it was much bigger than they thought it was. And it was definitely cancer. And so then she had to be put on like intubated for that time. This surgery that they literally told her was going to be like in and out an hour and you're going to go home same day now became like an eight hour surgery, an overnight stay. And she, I remember being so scared. I'm like, she's going to wake up the next morning. She's going to have this tube down her throat. What's she going to think? She's going to know things didn't go well, like all the stuff. And she was, you know, she was fine. She recovered. They were incredible. And I remember a little bit later, I was at her house and I was like, grandma, like what was going through your head? Like what was going through your head that morning? Like after like literally like you knew things went so sideways and you could, you had this like awful thing down your throat. And she was like, Cass, like I just knew that like I was in God's hands and you know, that whatever was going to happen was going to happen and it would be okay. There were many moments of that, but a lot of moments of that, uh, her, she's still someone right now you know, um, even though she's passed on that I constantly look to her for guidance and, and ask her to guide me and protect me. Cause I feel like she was just such an example to me of, you know, how to be a powerful, graceful woman. I love that, that statement strong is beautiful. 
And then it sounds like she is definitely strong, is beautiful. I mean, that's, yeah. that is right up here. And uh, I'm sorry for the loss, but also she must have been so proud of watching your success too. I, I love that, that she was probably able to see how well you're doing and the impact that you were making. Yeah, I think it was really cool for her to see. She used to joke with me that if she was born, if she was probably born in like in my time, she feels like she she would have like been like a CEO or something, right? And and I a thousand percent agree with that. She definitely had that like, you know, boss energy. So I think she loved seeing me just kind of like going out there and like, you know, fighting for my dreams and being like really independent and taking care of myself and creating this life for myself. So yeah, I, I do. And I think now, now I feel like she's my guardian angel and she's helping me even more now. <laughs> so so I, um, I'm going to share the story. I hope you don't mind. So I'm, you know, definitely a mama's boy. Like I my, had great parents, but we talked to my mom every single day up until the time she passed away, but she had stage four breast cancer for 18 years. Like, I mean, three times she was on her deathbed and they said, it's over, like bring in hospice. And a year later, we'd have her on a Disney cruise. She just had this, she was this Viking Norwegian woman that just had this will and fight to live, you know? But my favorite story is on her last night, if you can imagine it's Christmas, she's surrounded by all of her kids, all of her grandchildren. I mean, if you're going to go, this is the best way that you, you could leave this because she has so much love around her, but she can't talk and she's in her bed and somehow just inner divine intervention everyone leaves the room for a minute because she was surrounded by so many people the whole time and i run and i dive into bed next to her and i go mom mom if i'm your favorite don't say anything because she couldn't talk and, and she just smiled so big and she just shook her head i said i knew it i knew it now i can live a good life i said you know, nobody loved you like I loved you. Do you understand that? No one could possibly love you like I loved you. And see, now I get to live a good life because I know that I'm her favorite. It confirmed everything. Because oh she would God. always, for political correctness, claim that she loved us all equally, but I knew that was impossible because they didn't. <laughs> but anyway, so, so, and I did, I, I do. I love that so much. But, my but I, heart is tingling. But I do feel like she, she, you know, she watches over, over me and my family. And, you know, it's, it's nice to have that and uh, that support, that divine support. And, uh, so anyway, I just, I can't thank you enough for, for being here today and for talking with me. Thank you for joining us and, and bringing kind of a new and deeper view on leadership and life. And we're thankful to have had the chance to pick your brain and learn from you. And I really do appreciate it, Cassandra. Oh my God. I'm so thankful to be on the podcast and thank you for being open-minded to hear perhaps a different perspective on uh, leadership. <laughs> well, I, I love the different perspective and I think the viewers will too, because I think it is important to kind of get in touch with yourself, to take ownership, do it for you. I mean, that statement is one of the ones I circled over and over as you were talking, like do it for you, not for others, take yourself, everything else out of the equation and, and kind of find your passion. So Cassandra, thank you. I'll make sure that in the show notes, we give all kinds of links to where they can find you and how they can contact you and maybe even get uh, their hands on that book and, and your new journal and everything else. So just appreciate your time. Yes, for sure. Thank you so much. Cassandra, thank you for joining us today and bringing a new and deeper view on leadership. We're thankful to have had the chance to pick your brain and learn. I hope you got some great takeaways for your personal life and career and feel inspired to take on the challenges to create your future. I'm Dan Quiggle. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Garage to Goliath. Please share this podcast with your family, friends, and network. Also, please rate, review, and subscribe to this leadership podcast in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Your feedback helps us improve and also gets the message out to more listeners around the world. To rate, review, and subscribe, please visit quigglegroup.com forward slash iTunes. That's quiggle, Q-U-I-G-G-L-E group.com forward slash iTunes. Thank you for listening to Garage to Goliath. I'm Dan Quiggle, joined today by Cassandra Bodzak. Lead well.